So, Romans 14. This chapter is probably the most misunderstood chapter in all of Romans, because in this chapter, Paul seems to be saying that there is nothing unclean in and of itself, and that we can eat all things, or that the Sabbath can be any day, to not esteem one day over the other, but to be convinced in our own minds. So what is Paul actually saying in this chapter, and what is he actually communicating to his audience? Perhaps we've had people quote to us a verse where Paul seems to be saying that, like I said, the Sabbath can be any day we so choose as we're convinced or that we can eat anything. But let us jump into this chapter to see what Paul is actually saying. Yeah, to really understand this chapter, we need to have a better understanding of the cultural context of what was going on at the day. There were many laws um, that were implemented by by many Jews and many other cultures that were not necessarily the law of God, but but that were really really prevalent and also very much addressed in these chapters as you'll soon see so in romans 14 verse 1 we read as for the one who is weak in faith welcome him but don't quarrel over opinions now i'm going to pause right there before i continue we need to understand the foundation and the context of this chapter is only about opinions or disputable matters so now we continue One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despises the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So what's interesting about this is that right here we have One person believes he may eat anything in verse 2, while the weak person eats only vegetables. So that verse right there is often used to say, well, we can eat anything. Even Paul says the person who is weak believes he can only eat vegetables. So in contrast, the person who's strong can eat anything and everything. But let's take a look at the context again of what Paul is saying. We remember that just a few chapters ago, Paul said in Romans 3.31, Do we nullify the Torah by this faith? On the contrary, no, we uphold the Torah. Or in Romans 7, he says, For the law, God's Torah, is holy, righteous, and good, and that with his mind he desires to honor and serve the law of God. So now we have Paul desiring to uphold the Torah and the commands therein, to honor it, and then we have him saying we can eat anything. Did he just nullify the Torah a couple of chapters after he said he upheld the Torah? What is he actually saying? What is the context he is actually conveying to his audience yeah we we will read in corinthians how there was this whole idea going on in the in the in the century first century where you know it was it was quite different from today and that when you entered a meat market the you you there would be meat that was sacrificed to many different idols there were many gods there were many um per people and made with many different gods and so a man could enter the meat market and 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 look at meat and buy meat, but it can be really difficult to know what you're buying, to know what meat there is, to know and to find meat that is not defiled. Because see, in the first century, many Jews believed that meat is deemed defiled or unclean if it has been sacrificed to an idol. So, but even though we know as believers, we know there is there is no other god except one there's only yahweh elohim and yeshua there's one god but see not everyone understands this not everyone knows this 
And so Paul talks about how we are to, even though we may be, we have the, may have this understanding, we need to be careful in how we conduct ourselves in when we are out there, when we're, for example, buying meat, sacrificed to an idol, and someone else sees us. Because if, like we said, the culture is very pagan, and if someone was a pagan and he just got converted and he just came to follow Jesus, now he still has all that backlog, all that, all the, all the paganism in the back of his mind. So when he buys food sacrificed to his idol, he's gonna have a struggle in his conscience on how to deal with that versus someone who knows, oh, this is, this, there's no other God, there's no other idol, there's just one God. I don't, it doesn't mean anything. And, and so, but see, this, this understanding of how, what the Jews had that, though, that, 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 that food was defiled when it was sacrificed to an idol, it's actually not necessarily found in the Torah. That was actually a man-made instruction that, P that we, for example, see Peter upholding in the New Testament where Peter went and, and, uh, and, and, and God gave, had to give him the vision of the food coming down. And then Peter said, God has shown me that I should not call any man unclean by what they eat, by what God they serve, by etc. So like P was saying, it really all comes back down to this chapter is talking about food. Romans 14 is talking about food, eating or abstaining and eating or abstaining from certain foods. And this context is food sacrifice to idols that you would find in the marketplace because they're living in this culture, right? He's writing to Rome, to people who are in Rome. And when you go to the marketplace, the items that you would find being sold in the marketplace, the meat items would have likely been, you have no idea where their origin came from, that lamb or that that cow it was possibly sacrificed to an idol but yet those who are strong in faith who realize and understand that there is no god but yahweh can go that the idol is there's no power there's it means nothing so i can have that that lamb or or whatever that that cow <laughs> because it is a clean food it has been defined as food in accordance to scripture but now let's take a look at first corinthians 8 because paul seems to be saying the exact same thing as he is saying in Romans 14, but with perhaps a bit more um, detail. So Romans, sorry, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is only one God, the Father, for whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Yeshua Messiah through whom we all through whom are all things and through whom we exist however not all possess this knowledge but some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled so here we have what paul said in romans 14 the weak brother those who came out of this idolatry from paganism to go right back and to eat food or a meat item sacrificed to an idol would be a stumbling block for them because it's directly connected with the worship of that idol food will not commend us to god we are no worse off if we do not eat or no better off if we do because we know the idol has no power it is nothing but take care that this right of yours does not somehow make a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols and even be a stumbling block in the worship of that idol again? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Yeshua has died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Messiah. 
Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So even Paul saying here, I will never eat meat for the sake of not causing my brothers to stumble. That goes back to what Paul mentions in Romans 14, where he says, some choose to eat only vegetables, not eating the meat that possibly could have been sacrificed to an idol. But yet we understand that the idol has no power. It is nothing because God, Yahweh, is the only true God. And the same is actually very similar today where, you know, I've met people myself who, for whatever reason, they abstain from meat. And what they what will they do? They obviously they resort to vegetables. And so the, their reason may be, you know, something like this, which is an opinion of you know, their according to their knowledge they see maybe they see meat as being unhealthy for whatever reason which maybe it's a moral reason or whatever the reason is and they choose to abstain and that's fine and they, there's nothing wrong with that he actually goes on to say that do who are you to then judge your brother on this matter because this is simply an opinion it's simply a a a, a, a what what he chooses to do and so you know that's just why he then says but you know, if someone sees you, if someone has this belief that um, eating foods we should that we should, that 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 food sacrifice and all is bad, then do not partake in it because he may think you're actually worshiping that other idol, and in that way he's gonna be like, okay. Well, you know, PD, he's he's a strong believer. And now he's eating food sacrificed to Baal. And so, you know, that means, I, I mean, I guess I, he's worshiping Baal. And in that way, now immediately I have this, I can bring destruction upon my brother because he will, he will misinterpret what I'm doing. So then this is what in, in today's world, you know, it's similar with, for example, um, alcohol. You know, if someone, let's say if someone comes out of an addiction uh, with an alcohol, as an alcoholic, and he comes to faith in, in Christ. And now I, I'm, even though it's not wrong to drink alcohol, even drunkenness is wrong, but all drinking alcohol is not. And so I partake in it knowing my brother is weak in this area. And he sees me and he says, oh, Petey, he drinks. Uh, he can drink wine. You know, that means, I guess, that means I can drink too. And now this brother goes and he indulges himself and he stumbles in that way. Now I have made my brother stumble. And Paul actually goes on to say that if that is the case, I will never eat meat again. Similarly, if that is the case, I will never drink wine again if my brother is going to get stum be stumbling by that. Exactly, because it all gets back down to like what we've been talking about ever since Romans 12. It's about honoring, respecting, and loving our brother, not to place a stumbling block that would cause that brother to, to stumble or to cause destruction in that person's walk of faith in their personal journey. Because we remember... Paul is talking here about disputable matters or opinions. This, this is not Torah command, you shall not eat meat. No, it's simply for and where you are in your faith. If you're new to the faith, if you're a weak brother, as he calls it, you're simply new to the understanding of scripture and you've directly come out of that paganism, the idolatry, you would not want to have anything to do with what is even close to it. And so for you, someone else, eating what is like Petey said, or, or drinking alcohol for some right next to someone who is coming out of that, it would be a stumbling block. So it all comes back down to love your brother, loving and respecting your brother. And he also, you know, he also says, he talks about how we are no better than if we eat and no better if we don't eat. You know, it's interesting because, you know, this is also important in that, you know, many 
people who, you know, I, I could think of something like veganism or many of these movements, which, you know, a lot of them can be really good. A lot of them can have really good principles. But uh, as soon as we start thinking of ourselves as being better than someone else, I'm better than someone who eats meat. I'm better than someone who eats, who doesn't eat meat, or I'm better than whatever the reason is. And you're building this not on the commands of God, but because, but based on your opinion, based on what you may know or based on your knowledge, we and you know it, it all just comes back to this pride issue again because the, the Pharisees, this is something that they struggled with. They came and they said, you know, um, we will not associate with someone who who is a pagan just because of who they are. We will not talk to them. We will not even. And it's not. This is not even speaking about unclean food as defined in Leviticus. This is even just speaking about the nature of who they are. Like Peter had a problem going to Cornelius's home. Because he saw Cornelius as being a defiled person, a, a filthy person, because of, of of who he was. And this was based on his opinion, based on his oral traditions and oral laws that's not consistent with the word of God. Exactly, like Petey was saying. There's a lot of laws that were created that were not found in Torah. They're not in scripture. They were rabbinical. They were added later by certain strict Pharisees. Like we talked in a previous a video about the house of Shammai that added a lot of fences, you could say, or additional oral laws to go along and sometimes even superseded certain Torah commands. Like when Yeshua said in Mark 7, very well you negate God's law in favor of the traditions of man or your man-made laws. And so even in this, when you have the idea that, well, Gentiles are unclean, so anything a Gentile touches is now unclean. So, for example, in a marketplace, which in Rome, it would have been Gentile, anything they might have, a meat item, even if it's a kosher, if it's clean as defined in Leviticus 11, if a Gentile was the one who processed that, it is now unclean, according to the rabbinical tradition and law. Or perhaps it was sacrificed to an idol, so it's also viewed as unclean, even if it is a clean animal. It's a it's lamb, perhaps, or it's chicken, or whatever. thing that is defined as clean in Leviticus 11. They would put on these terms, that's now unclean because a Gentile, who we decide is unclean, we do not associate with him, we have nothing to do with him, a Gentile touched that, it is now unclean. It was not done by a rabbi, it was not done according to our rabbinical authority. And that's what Paul is addressing. Don't have, ju don't judge your brother. Don't look on him with pride or arrogance in this way. Like PD mentions, if you know, in veganism or in vegetarianism, that if you choose to do that, that is fine because the kingdom of God is not arguing about food, but loving your brother and walking with him in unity as you're able to, especially in these matters that he mentions in the very beginning of the chapter are opinions, your personal opinions and disputable matters. Right. And, you know, when it says, you know, the kingdom of God, it's 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 not about meat and drink. It's not about just eating. But we need to define what food is. Right. The the word, you know, food is needs to be defined by scripture. So when we talk about we're not going to argue on, you know, what is um, uh, uh, like, are we going to eat meat or are we not going to eat meat? We are talking about what foods do we eat? That's your choice. That's up to you. But when we talk about what is food, what is the definition of food? Now we're talking about something else because God and Leviticus did lay out the definition of food. And, and he said, this is what is clean to you. And this is the real clean thing. This is the real good definition of what clean is. Not by the Pharisees, not by what they defined as a man being made unclean by, you know, all that stuff. No, God came and he said, so this is what is clean and this is what is unclean to you. And he sets apart 
and he makes a different he constructs the definition of what we know what food is and he says that this you can eat this is an abomination to you he uses very strong words he says this is an abomination to you you can't eat this this is considered unclean to you and so you know but here paul is not talking about that he is addressing because he is talking about food we know that god defined food back in the torah and leviticus so paul knows what food is when he he's speaking from that perspective so he paul is not talking about food food in that vein and and that or, or or of unclean food he's talking about food that is clean and defined as food by god and so that's so i mean here he's 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 yeah so he's speaking here about food meat and all that and and he's really more addressing the laws of man and that how the opinions of man came between believers and how they didn't want to associate with one another it's like me going and saying i'm not going to associate with a vegetarian or a vegan because they don't like meat as much as i do you know but or you know whatever the reason is so whether whatever that reason behind my conviction or their conviction is for us to now say we're going to divorce ourselves from one another because of that opinion this is what paul is talking about exactly and the whole context of this chapter is never discussing clean and unclean meats as defined in leviticus 11 paul is now saying we can eat all things so that means like i said you can have that ham sandwich now never is he even discussing those unclean animals because that's not what is considered food as he mentions later on near the end of romans 14 he refers to the food we're not to be divided over see do not for the sake of food destroy the work of god He's referring to only what is, of course, defined as food in Scripture. Because we remember, like I said earlier, Romans 3.31, do we nullify the law through this faith? No, we uphold the Torah. So what does the Torah say about food and what is clean that we can eat? Well, we know in Leviticus 11, it gives us a list of the things that are clean that we can't eat and the things that are not clean, that are an abomination that we are not to eat. So Paul is only talking about things that are considered food in this chapter. Remember that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He learned under the tutelage of Rabbi Gamaliel. And he never went against Torah. He never taught in um, contradiction to Torah because that would make him um, in violation of Torah itself to then speak against it. Also, it would make him a hypocrite to speak out of two sides of his mouth, which we know Paul did not do. Paul was consistent in everything he said. So that's why when Paul says, getting back to like what PD said earlier, it's about not passing judgment over things of opinion or disputable matters, like in Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord, Yeshua, that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. If your, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Yeshua died. So we know Paul is not saying there is nothing unclean, so you can have pig now. But nothing that God has defined as food is unclean in and of itself. Simply because it was sold in a Gentile marketplace, that lamb is not now unclean. Nothing is unclean of itself that God has made already clean. However, if that item, for example, is possibly sacrificed to an idol, or like PD mentioned earlier, drinking wine around a brother who's just come out of alcoholism, that is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. It is a problem that they need to work 
know, their own personal spiritual journey. It's a matter of opinion. And for that time, for that brother, they should not have alcohol or they should not eat food sacrificed to idols because that's where they are in their faith as they're learning and growing. And we need to have grace and understanding in that as well as we relate with our brother, and as we love our brother. Okay, so we've discussed this chapter that Paul wrote in Romans 14 centers around the topic of food things that you will eat or what you will abstain from eating, and of course on matters of opinion. But now we read in Romans 14, 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Now this one verse taken out of context could seem quite interesting that perhaps is Paul referring to, like we've often heard, the Sabbath that well, we can esteem one day over the other. I could esteem Tuesday or Petey could esteem Friday, just so long as we're convinced in our own mind. And then it's all good. It's, it's all fine. Now, what does the Bible say? Like we have in Proverbs, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So can we simply pick and choose and be convinced in our own mind as to what we will decide to follow in accordance to God's Torah? And that we can we can choose whatever we'd like. But we know 1 John 3, 4 says that transgression of the law is sin and sin is lawlessness. So we can't pick and choose on what we will decide to keep, what we define as sin, because now we are defining sin. We are defining what we would like to be obedient. We're picking and choosing. And that is not all what Paul is even saying in this chapter or in this verse. Like we've said before, it's about an opinion. But what is the context of what he's talking about? We remember this whole chapter is about food. So would Paul actually insert one verse about the Sabbath in the midst of a chapter about food and never even mention the word Sabbath? In the whole book of Romans, right? Like Sabbath is not even in the whole book. Exactly. Paul never even mentions the Sabbath in the entire book of Romans, and he does not mention it here. So I will submit to you that he's not referring to the Sabbath at all, and we'll actually get clarity on what days he's even talking about in the following verse. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. For the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. The days that Paul's referring to are simply days of eating or days of not eating. Simply put, he's talking about days of fasting. Like I said, this whole chapter is talking about food. Food you eat or you choose not to eat. Days you choose to eat on or days you choose not to eat on. It's as simple as that and that is the context. Now the reason why Paul is even addressing these this concept of fasting is because the issue of fasting was a big problem. It was a lot of debate and quarreling going on the topic of fasting because there were certain days that, for example, strict Pharisees fasted on, Mondays and Thursdays. And so in that vein, there was the distinction of, well, there was even a quote in the Didache where they're calling, do not fast on the Monday and Thursday as the hypocrites do, referring to certain hypocritical Pharisees, but rather fast on Wednesday and Friday. There's a lot of dispute and arguments going on between which day you fast on and which day I fast on, and this is a better day or that's a better day. We go back to that whole arrogance we had when Yeshua related the parable of the Pharisee and the publican, the tax collector, when the Pharisee said, well, you know, I fast twice a week and I tie this and that. I thank God that I'm not like other men. And so he's standing there in that arrogance and that pride, condemning his brother because I do all of this. And so Paul is directly challenging and addressing this issue of arrogance and pride as well by saying, do not judge your brother on which days you choose to fast for we are to be convinced in our own mind. It's a matter of opinion. It's a personal, your walk of faith with the father. It's all about honoring 
God, not judging your brother, but as you fast, if you choose to fast on Wednesday or if you choose to fast on Monday or Thursday, it does not matter the day because you are to honor the Lord with your bodies and whether you eat or do not eat. Right. And, you know, as you guys I think can hear is, you know, food was a big deal in the first century and it was very much connected to being holy and, you know, for many people. And it was actually even a, for like, um, like Christina said, a place of contention for many people. And even in the first century, the early Christian church, we read the following here. In J. Peterson's Israel, Its Life and Culture, he writes, By the 6th century, fasting was made obligatory by the Second Council of Orleans. That's in AD 541, which decreed that anyone neglecting to observe the stated time of abstinence should be treated as an offender. In the 8th century, it was regarded as praiseworthy and failure to observe subjected the offender to excommunication. And so... As you guys can see, you know, fasting was throughout these the ages actually a bit, oftentimes a big place of contention for people. And because fasting is such a, this is why um, we also read in the Word how we are to do this as a personal thing between us and God, not to declare it to everyone and say, "Oh, look how we're fasting." No, no, no. This is a thing between you and God. There is no commandment in Scripture in, in, on that we should fast every week or every this day or that day of the week. No. But this was many of, again, many of the man-made instructions that were held to. And this is what Paul is again um, uh, addressing here. Right, because Paul is addressing, like we've said, he's addressing opinions. He's addressing man-made laws that were added to Torah or that were being discussed and argued about and were causing a lot of dissension and division amongst the communities of believers. Those who believe you must fast on this day and not that day or or those that believed you, you could eat food sacrifice to an idol because you know that idol has no power. There's nothing. It means nothing. But those who are coming in out of idolatry want nothing to do with it. So there's a lot of arguments that were going on. And Paul is simply getting back to this point. These are matters of disputable matters. We are to respect our brother. We are to honor the Lord. So we are to love our brother as ourselves. And we are to love the Lord our God. It gets back to the two greatest commandments. And that is what Paul is simply addressing. He's not nullifying Torah. He's not saying the Sabbath can be on any day so long as we're convinced. This is not about the Sabbath, but simply about the whole context of this chapter, food. Days you eat on, days you do not eat on. This context, the chapter context is about whether you will eat this food or not that food. Not that we can eat anything that we now define as food in our Western our culture today, that ham sandwich or that lobster or that crab, but rather what is defined as food. In the scripture, according to God's word in Leviticus 11, what is God set apart for us to eat as his people? And we know in Leviticus 20, he says at the very end of Leviticus 20, that he is called to be a set apart people. And now here it is, we, he has set us apart from the nations in that way to be holy as he is holy. And that's why he has separated us from eating these animals. He has separated animals that are clean and animals are an abomination. And just as we are separate, from those in idolatry who are not worshiping him. We're to be holy to him, a holy people, a chosen priesthood. We're to also be separate in the physical from the items that he has dictated as an abomination and not holy to him. They have a purpose, but they're not to be eaten. And that is the context of this chapter of Romans 14. Paul is simply addressing man's traditions and opinions, quarrels that were rising among the fellowship of believers, and bringing it back to the point of loving God, loving your neighbor, and walking in that that love, which means it's a heart matter, that personal faith. 
so that when you do fast, do it to honor the Lord. Do it to honor the Father. Don't look at someone else and view yourself as better because you do this. If it's not in Torah, like PD said, there's not specific days you have to have a weekly fast. But rather, it says your, your personal faith and your personal relationship with the Father. And to rest and to enjoy that aspect while not looking around to see what your brother is doing on these disputable matters on which day you fast. But rather to honor the Lord and your brother. And you know what this also brings to mind is many other topics that we have today, such as flat earth and, you know, all the other things that goes around that's, you know, not necessarily uh, a command in scripture. You know, it's something that's kind of like Christina said, a disputable manner. You know, you can argue how important it is, but the fact is that it remains a disputable manner, not directly um directly addressed in scripture and so with that we need to go with the same attitude as to not make anyone stumble by those things if we go and we judge a brother on what he believes regarding for example the shape of the earth or anything related to that any conspiracy theory you know whether the moon landing was true or you know all of these things um you know we can have differing opinions and that's okay it's not a deal breaker you know, and God calls us to then to be at peace with all men, to love them. And yes, it's fine to share. It's, it's, it's fine to talk about these things. But God calls us to go and then and, and not look down on someone based on what they believe. And unfortunately, in many of these disputable manners, we see just like back in the day with Paul and the Pharisees and, and all that with back then it was based on, you know, food. And today we have with food and we have other things, too. And the same thing is still happening. And God calls us to now be different. Do not be like the Pharisees who just went and pointed finger over all these disputable man-made opinions and ideas, which, you know, and, and judge others on that and look down on others based on that. And, you know, they even came to the Messiah and, and pointed at him and, and, you know, God himself with their things. But God calls us to come and focus on him. Guys, there is so much in the word of God that I don't have time to talk and dispute about all these other things. I just don't have time because this word of God, the, 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 what, what he did give me and what I do know is from him and direct and instructional and pure and straight and easy to understand. It's like a child can understand it. That is what I'm going to spend my time on. And that is what Yeshua spent his time on. That is all Yeshua spent his time on. He did not go around with all these other disputable matters and just, you know, go and go and go and on and on and on and on about them. You know, God calls us to walk as he walked and focus on the kingdom of God and the things that he has set apart for us to focus on. There is so much that I will not in my entire lifetime be able to, to receive all the revelation there is to receive, not even clearly, not, I mean, not even nearly. And so... God, come and let's let's focus on His Him. Let's focus on the things that He has given us. There is no time for the other things and to get obsessed with them. It's fine to discuss. It's fine to to talk about them, but to get obsessed with them and to put ourselves on pedestal because of them, that's not fine. And that's what Paul warns us about. Cool. So may God bless you guys and keep you. I hope this teaching encouraged you. 
and uh, give you some revelation, some revelation and, and clarity on these verses. They can be kind of confusing when you don't have the cultural context, when you don't have the, the even just the context of like 1 Corinthians, where we just read of meat sacrificed to idols. You see, if we read scripture in context of scripture and not just take a verse here and a verse there, it becomes much easier to see what is really being said. And it is essential for us to love as Yeshua loved and be holy. So I encourage you to read your Bible from chapter one to the end and not just take a little verse, pluck it on Facebook and, and make a doctrine from it. God calls us to be accountable and wise with his word and you and not use it like a like newspapers where they just take one word from something someone said, a celebrity, and put it on the newspaper front page heading and it's totally out of context and it makes them look totally bad and it's totally a lie just because it was out of context. God calls us to be wise with his words. So I'll see you guys, we'll see you guys in the next video. Have an amazing day, shalom. Blessings and shalom.